0: Official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge College Football Preview Show, Week 1 Edition. I am your host, Alan Bell. We've got a fantastic show lined up for you today. And I'll tell you what, i am not going to waste any time. We're going to get right to it. Let's bring in the stars of the show. Now, boys, first off, it's good to see you. Second, no Tom Fernelli today. He's got some moving emergencies. However, our man did take care of us. You know he wouldn't miss it. He sent his picks in, and we'll go through all of those. But before we get into week one, we got to take a look back at week zero. Gentlemen, take a look at that. 62.5% against the spread. You guys crushed it. Well done there. That New Mexico State, that one was tough, man, that plus nine. Micah Roberts going 2-0, oh, crushed it on Northwestern, and even put in – the advice to sprinkle Northwestern money line, and you know what? Came through. There was one gentleman, he put down, I can't remember how much he put down, but he followed your advice. He won $4,000. Just amazing. Yeah. Right so Yeah, nice there. So first up, Michael Roberts, how are you, sir? I'm doing excellent.
2: Uh, happy to be here. Let's uh, make some people some money again this week. It's time
0: to do it. Let's it's do it winter. indeed, Chip. Yeah, absolutely, man. Chip Patterson, how are we, sir? Uh,
1: We're doing – listen, how could I be doing any better when we're one-third of the way to our Vanderbilt over two-and-a-half as the doors not only won against Hawaii but looks damn good while doing it? I think that everything that they got cooking right now uh, looks pretty good to be able to continue through this non-conference schedule. Go get us those two more wins. We got Elon on deck. You know, we're just all focused right now.
0: Oh, yeah. Vanderbilt. They're going to take care of the fine eye there. And you're right. You know, whoever's running the personnel program over at Vanderbilt doing a fantastic job. Got to give them credit on that one. That Vanderbilt offense fan was on fire. It's fantastic. All right. Let's get into these storylines that affect the week one betting lines that we need to know about. All right. Now, Micah, coming over to you. You're taking a look at the Purdue-Penn State game. Break that down, man. What do you see?
2: Well, it's a reverse mush that my brother put on Purdue. He's a huge <laughs> Purdue fan. He's uh. You know, He's about six years younger than me, grew up in Las Vegas like me, moved to Akron. And when he moved to Akron, he got season tickets to Purdue, West Lafayette, and he's been this crazy Purdue fan forever. He calls it quarterback you, and he's right to a degree. But we're going over the game on Monday, and he's telling me all these reasons why Purdue is not going to win this game. And I'm like, he's always so positive. He has so much to say. And he's like, well, the receiver, he got suspended ineligible. And I'm like ineligible are we still doing that in college football there's ineligible ncaa is still around i thought players getting paid and everything now we're we're putting rules down on players being ineligible for not going to class or whatever so that's a big deal to him there and the more i thought i go this guy is setting me up for a reverse mush he's trying to say they're going to lose because that way when they win he'll be super happy and i love when people do that and so i got the hint i got the sign we'll talk about that game in a little bit
0: <laughs> I like it, man. Look at any time you could bring, bring in the reverse mush. Yeah. Like that's always good for this show. Always good. All right. Now chip coming over to you. You've got a question or you're, you're going to address a question that I've kind of thought about the last nine days or so teams in week zero that got, you know, kind of a, 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 a head look here, a head start Look to week one. What are your thoughts, man?
1: I think that there's um, a few different angles that we have to analyze based on uh, number one, the team itself and its own development within a season. And then number two, the market and the reactions or overreactions that might come because of the performance in week zero for team standout. Number one is going to be North Carolina who plays at app state, very tough game. The betting spread says so this is going to be a difficult spot for the Tar Heels to win. The redshirt freshman quarterback, Drake may looked outstanding Five touchdowns, dude, looks like the real deal. But the defense also got pushed around. And if FAMU is going to push you around, then I think that App State might be able to do that as well, running right at them. So what did we learn from that North Carolina defense and how does that impact our expectations for App State? Number two is going to be Illinois, which obviously came through the in in a with a win, Illinois obviously coming through in a way. Where now we got to look at Brett Bielema as a plus value week zero coach. That's two straight week zero uh-huh. wins in a row for Brett Bielema in Illinois. What does that mean for Indiana? What did we learn as they face off on Friday night? Florida State, unfortunately. I don't think we learned anything from that game against Duquesne. And so what is there going to be an overreaction to based on the way Florida State was able to run it up as the level of difficulty definitely moves up with LSU on deck. And then finally, a UTEP team that was a great story last year was not very competitive against North Texas. UTEP is going to be the opponent for Brent Venable's debut as Oklahoma's head coach. What can we learn from that UTEP game that can help us as the Sooners have a big spread there?
0: A lot of learning to be had indeed, and I'll tell you what, we are going to learn much more about Florida State this week in their matchup against LSU, and you know what? Learn a bit, a little bit about LSU as well. Now, let me say this. We don't have that game as one of our large games, but just off the top of your head, LSU what? Minus three, I believe, is a spread right now. Any mm-hmm. thoughts that you guys have? Anything that you like in that game?
1: Oh, listen, it's either uh, LSU spread or Florida State money line. I think that it's got to break one of those two ways because if Florida State is able to survive, you know, keep Jordan Travis from running for his life and, you know, actually be able to hit a couple of explosive plays, I think that LSU is uncharacteristically – not weak, but like LSU standards, weak at the secondary. We're so used to them being DBU. We're so used to them being loaded up with elite players at corner. Eli Ricks, of course, transfers away from the program, goes to join Alabama. I think that that group is a little bit of a step back, and Florida State has some dudes at wide receiver. But I go back to my initial statement. Jordan Travis is running for his life. Florida State cannot take advantage of that edge that I think they have in the passing game with one-on-one battles. I like Florida State's defense. No idea what LSU is going to look like offensively. Either you take LSU and you lay the points. They win by one, two touchdowns, or you take Florida State money line for a little plus value and hope that they can pull the upset.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'll tell you this as we get into our best bets for this week. One thing I have noticed, sportsbooks, they're, they're laying on these key numbers, 3, 7, 14, 17, meaning you're seeing a lot of spreads where it's 17 and a half. Right. Seven and a half, three and a half to where a lot of the books are a lot saying, you know what? You make the decision because we think we know probably just as little or as much as you do. So I always like it early in the season because, yeah, you kind of have an advantage if you know these teams. Now, let's get into our best bets for this week. Speaking of knowing these teams. All right. So, Micah, you just broke down in regards to the Purdue, the reverse mush game. you got to play on that one. What do you got?
2: Yeah, I'm going with Purdue, and I, most of it comes down as just the better quarterbacking. And we've kind of seen um, this with last year, Sean Clifford not very good at all, didn't make good decisions. The pass blocking was terrible. Maybe the, the new running back is going to be the key for them. Um, but, yeah, they didn't have a good ground game last year, bad pass protection. And the second-year off, uh, offensive coach, um, you know, he's on. he's got to make something happen here. So I'm not – not, I mean, they started 5-0 and last year, ended the season 2-6. and Not real excited about Penn State's prospects this year. And overall, just my number alone, with the home field edge, Purdue, I have the game at Purdue minus 2. So I have to take those points regardless. Um, and, and the thing about the wide receiver, uh, Milton Wright, uh, suspended, uh, ineligible to play, get that. A whole new wide receiver core. But this quarterback is just right on target. Unbelievable. Um, Aiden O'Connell has been uh, terrific, makes like pro passes. And I think the receivers that came in, the recruits and everybody, they came in for that passing game. Those receivers, young receivers, are going to be fine. And the other thing here I like about Purdue a lot is their kicker. And it sounds crazy, right? But their kicker... Doesn't miss a lot. He made 24 field goals last year. He hit 87% over his career at Purdue. That is going to play a part in this game, I believe. You go down, you get stalled at the 20, you got three. It's not bad. And new kicker for Penn State. So I think there's a special team's edge there as well. And, yeah, Purdue. I mean, I don't want to take away. I know Fornelli's got an opinion on a team off nine wins expectations too high off the team coming off a bad season, too low. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is Purdue. They're going to win the game, but I'll take the points.
0: There you go. Always. Absolutely, man. Now, Chip, coming over to you. Speaking of points, all right, your first game here, North Carolina, Appalachian State. You like the overs.
1: Yeah. The, talk about lessons learned from week zero. And I see that North Carolina's offense in the post Sam Howell era is going to be just fine. I love the way that they were able to find some good options inside receiver and tight end. This isn't a Josh downs or bust receiving core quite like I thought did a good job in the red zone and even got out to scoot a little bit, that 65 225 pound frame rumbling on down the field, showing some agility. But then this defense, which is now led by Gene Chiswick, did not, sort of have that snap immediate improvement that a lot of people thought with Chizik's return to Chapel Hill. There is talent on that group, four star players, one or two five stars, but for the most part, I kind of thought that they were looking like they did last year, which was a bend but don't break unit that you can kind of move the ball against. So I look at the way that this game is going to play out. I think that then App State's got like Cameron Peebles is uh their, their starting running back. But I mean, Marshall's another good one. They got like three or four running backs. They're all really, really good. They share the wealth. They got a big offensive line, real physical, nasty group. I think that App State is going to be able to move the ball on the ground, run right at this North Carolina defense. And then I think that App State just is not going to have enough answers for everything that Drake May brings. This thing is going to be back and forth. It is going to play out a little bit similar to the way that we've seen. Uh, I don't know if you like, of course you're not going to think about this as as frequently as I have, but when North Carolina and Wake Forest have played recently, the results are like 45, 42, 50, something, 40, something. Like it is a back and forth kind of game where it comes down to who makes a mistake, who steals a possession, you know, what happens in that third, fourth quarter to determine the winner. I have zero confidence in who ends up winning because it's going to come down to one of those mistakes that I just talked about. But what I have a lot of confidence in is the kind of game that app state and UNC are set to play based on the matchup. And it's a high scoring one. So
0: I love this over. There we go. And let me say this. I I, I know I could speak for Micah as well as myself. All we do is thinking about North Carolina and wake Forest. I mean, that's every day. <laughs> so no, I love it. All right, Micah, coming back to you, man, your next play going over to Illinois at Indiana. You like Illinois plus three, man. What do you see? Well, I know what
2: Illinois is. I mean, I saw him play. I saw him the new quarterback, Tommy DeVito. I saw him have a masterful game, manage the game so well, didn't go for the big ones, but just short passes here and there, twenty seven of thirty-seven, almost two hundred yards passing, two touchdowns. That was my first question. I needed answered. And he played well. And albeit Wyoming may not be of the caliber of Indiana. Um I know more about this team. I know Chase Brown scored three touchdowns last week and couldn't be stopped 151 yards. I know the offensive line played well. Everybody played well in that game, and it was just completely managed with good defense but also by controlling the clock, and Illinois did a fantastic job with that, and I was pleased with that. With Indiana, I mean, I I have so many question marks, and I don't know. I mean, if if they win the game, I would be highly surprised with the quarterback I don't even know who's going to start at quarterback uh, only 12 starters return three offensive linemen that um, horribly last year Michael Penix is starting now for Washington I mean he bailed on the team saw what was there so I just think this is a, a the talent level it's back to the old days of Indiana being the bottom of the uh, the Big Ten and uh, it's going to be a long year I think it's going to be a long year for him um, you know I don't wish that a anyway before my bet here you are telling me i'm going to get points for a team that i know is better already i'll take it every time
0: yeah like i'll be honest with you man like i was kind of surprised seeing that spread that it plus 3 like it, it, we're, we're really we're ranking indiana that good i know it's on the road for illinois but yeah i'm with you on yeah. that one all right chip coming back over to you south florida versus number 25 byu an interesting game south florida a 12 point underdog you like the bulls here man USF's quarterback is a former Baylor
1: quarterback named Gary Bohannon. And I think that Bohannon's a little bit of a plus value player at the position. I mean, this Bulls team, it has been bad. Last two seasons, both under Jeff Scott, former offensive coordinator for Clemson. Three wins total. Two seasons, three wins. The game is at home. BYU coming in with that little number beside their name. Very, very good team, excited about what Kalani Kalani Satake is going to roll out there, especially after exceeding expectations last season, sort of in that post, you know, you lose Zach Wilson, what's going to happen? Jaron Hall's very good.
0: Did we, Mike, are you with me? Yeah, and
1: I I'm just watching. have a hunch that number one, that USF's going to be in a position to be able to make this nasty. So it's a, it's a big stretch for Bohannon. It's me really asking a lot from Bohannon, but I do think that this is the spot in the schedule where USF playing at home, BYU coming in from Provo. They're just able to make this a little bit tighter than it needs to be. So give me the points here.
0: All right, and uh, apologies, everybody. We got some uh, some crazy internet going on here at the office, so that's why I asked that, like, randomly, like, right through it. I just had a, uh, a screen freeze, so, yeah. All right, sorry about that. Okay, now, uh, Micah, coming back over to you. Pitt, all right, seven and a half point favorite versus yeah. West Virginia. Side note, an awesome uniform game in this one. You like Pitt with the points.
2: Yeah, well <laughs> – It starts out, you've got a a rivalry here, right? The two quarterbacks, both at USC together. Uh, Keaton uh, Slovis was pretty good and didn't get another shot, so he's disgruntled. He left. J.C. Daniels didn't get a shot, so he left disgruntled, lost his job at Georgia. He's disgruntled. He left, and so now he's got a new home. The new era of college football, absolutely Just exemplified, I've never seen this before. Two guys on the same team, same whatever, uh, playing each other here now. And so you got that. Then you got both teams with all their offensive linemen back, and that's a huge key for me. I talked a lot about that last week. All five back for both teams. So what is the big edge here? What can I get? Well, I got Pitt. I got a lot of these guys back. Uh, Defense is going to be a lot better. They got their running back back, uh, new quarterback. So that kind of – I have confidence in him. I've seen him play before. I I like his game. And plus eight turnover margin, maybe that comes down a little bit this year. But the key that stood out for me most with West Virginia was its secondary. Four of the five uh, slots there, they're new. New players, new starters. That is a big key for me And in this passing game with Pitt. I really think they're going to expose that. You're going to have a lot of confusion with the young guys. They can practice all they want, but until someone comes down and throws it on them, uh, that's a whole different story here, big time game. So I expect pick to do their thing, by the way, I have a rating differential on this game Add in four and a half for home field for Pitt. I have 16 and a half on this game. So it's like an automatic play for me up to, I mean, at least to, to 10, I mean, get what you can, but um, I do think this game is going to move up. And I think, uh, yeah, I'm not worried about them playing Tennessee next week. So Pitt is the
0: play. It's a good football team, man. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Chip. Coming back to you. An interesting game here. All right, we got Coastal Carolina, a two-point favorite at home against Army. You like the Shanta Clears here, my man. Oh, oh, oh. Yes.
1: You're just not going to have them lose at home with army in town. I think it's one of the most interesting games in terms of looking at offenses. You know, the coastal Carolina offense is clearly one of the most creative that you're going to find. Grayson McCall does a great job of leading that group and army. I mean, who's not a sucker for the triple option, but ultimately yeah. coastal Carolina's defense, I think is going to be able to come up with enough stops yeah. and we're going to see enough efficiency from the Sean to clears that they're, they're not going to lose this game again. I think, I feel very confident that Coastal Carolina is not going to let Army come in on their season opener and win at home. Anything under a field goal, I like Coastal.
0: There we go. There we go. You know what? That should be another T-shirt right there. Anything under a field goal, I like Coastal. That's the way to go with it. All right. Getting into our plays on the big six games of the week. But before we do, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our partners. Streaming on Paramount+. you ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? What's Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And we are back. All right. First big game that we have on the board here. All right. NC State at East Carolina. NC State's an 11.5-point favorite. A total of 51.5. Chip, I throw it to you first. What do you like in this game? And let me say this. We're going to put our leans plays on here. If it's an official pick, I will let everybody know in the audience that it is no official picks on this game, but where do you lean chip? What do you like?
1: I, I lean NC state in the points. Um, and a lot of that comes down to the idea that the strongest unit of the four in this game is NC state's defense. You know, we we look at the experience of Holt Naylor's and an ECU offense that does have some talent at the skill positions, but it's going to be really tough to beat a Wolfpack team. Anybody in the country when you're going up against a defense that has really, really, really good difference makers at all three levels and one of the best linebacking groups in the ACC, if not the entire country. So, you know, you, you start to look at the other side. The, does um, ECU's defense have some answers for NC State? Which, by the way, like Devin, this is why I'm not super confident about it. Devin Leary is an elite quarterback, ACC preseason player of the year 35 touchdowns, five interceptions last year. Amazing on third down, amazing in the red zone, does everything that you want to do. But the NC State offense as a whole is not as dominant as the hype and excitement that we have about the quarterback. And it isn't a personnel issue. We've got NFL players on the offensive line. We've got some pretty good skill position players like Devin Carter, like Thayer Thomas. It comes down to just the way they handle their business. They're a little bit conservative. They run a lot on first down. They allow their defense to lead the way, and you do just enough instead of getting out there, slinging it, and making some mistakes. And I think that because NC State might go into this game trying to avoid mistakes rather than trying to you know, take advantage of a uh, big talent advantage and blow them out of the water, I wouldn't take NC State and lay the points because I think there's a chance for a backdoor cover or this getting tight at the end. But I do think NC State's two touchdowns better, so my
0: lean is the points. Yeah, I, I think I agree completely. Micah, I think that you do as well. What are your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, I have a differential of uh, give four points to East Carolina. That's the full home, home field edge. Um, and that's usually not the case when they're playing somebody better. Maybe you can drop it down to two. But just saying it's four, the differential is 16. So laying uh, this price seems cheap to me. And I'm, I'm going to look at this game a little more. Uh, see if I can get something uh, cheaper on it. Uh, but still, it looks like a good side. you got 17 starters returning for them, nine on defense, as mentioned by Chip. Uh, and the quarterback has been amazing. Uh, last season, 30, what do you have, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions, that's pretty good, plus six turnover margin on the year. Uh, just play, they know each other, everybody's in sync with each other, the cohesion. And while East Carolina has that too with Mitchell and uh, Ehlers, a quarterback, they... Um, they're just not as talented. And so that's going to be the problem here. And also we have last year, they got fired up for their opener 45, nothing in their opener. I'd like to see something like that again. I don't think the Greenville crowd will allow that, but we'll see.
0: (laughs) We'll see indeed. All right. Next game here. We have West Virginia at Pittsburgh. Chip, you got an official play on this one, man. So I'm gonna let you go first. What do you got?
1: Yeah. It ain't called the backyard shootout boys. No, 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 no. It's called the backyard brawl. This thing is decided in the teens and the 20s. This thing is decided at the line of scrimmage. This is a physical battle between these regional and one-time conference rivals. So I I look at it, and I I'm immediately am going to be thinking, the series that gave us 13-9 to nine is not going to allow this thing to get up high scoring. No, 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 no. So we'll be taking the under right here. But there's also... X's and O's, there's insider information and intel that could also power this decision. Like the fact that we're not gonna have Kenny Pickett and we're not gonna have Jordan Addison and we're not gonna have offensive coordinator Mark Whipple. So before we even get into scheme and game plan and the way that you attack, we're already downgrading that pit offense. Now we hear from Pat Narduzzi that he wants to run the ball more. He thought they threw it too much last year. And what does that mean? It means we got a pit team with a great defensive line, great defense in general. It's just going to run the ball a lot. I mean, that's going to be a lot of unders, baby. So pit unders in general, a good starting position. I mean, Tennessee is also a team that you know we'll we'll talk about that next week. But here against West Virginia, a team that I do not view as a incredibly um, dangerous offensive team, and with a good defense, especially on the back end themselves. I, I just think these are two under teams meeting up in a rivalry that screams under.
0: Yeah, and uh, and as we discussed just a little bit earlier, Micah, you're on Pitt minus seven and a half. Any thoughts that you have in regards to the total there?
2: Uh, Chip makes a lot of sense here. Uh, the defense is very good for Pitt. I'm just, I don't know how uh, resistant that West Virginia will be uh, to the running game or passing game.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. All right, next game here. All right, this is a big one. I think this this has potential to be like maybe the most exciting game of maybe not most exciting, like closest back and forth, like just a slugfest here, Cincinnati, Arkansas, Arkansas is a six point favorite, a total of 52. We don't have any official plays on it, but we do have leans. Micah, I'm going to throw it right back at you. You kind of like Cincy plus six on. Huh? Yeah. Uh,
2: I made the game, uh, what, Arkansas minus three in Arkansas, a fine team, KJ Jefferson uh, running back is back, um, uh, but the, the thing I have with Arkansas that scares me here is it's all new front six. And when I look at that, I'm like all, all new starters are on the front six. Okay, so what do we got with Cincinnati? Well, they lost a lot of guys to the NFL. They don't have their corners. They uh, don't have their quarterback. Uh, but they got all five offensive linemen back. They are going to control that line of scrimmage, I'm certain, and make it comfortable. I don't know who the quarterback is yet, but Ben Bryant or uh, um, who's the other guy? Prater, uh, Evan Prater. Prater. yeah. And I guess he's waiting to announce it on game day or something, but I, I think it's going to be Trader. is all indications. I had Bryant had been there before transferred back from Eastern Michigan. Uh, didn't have a very successful career there. Uh, but the offensive line, that is the edge. And that's been the game. That's what we talked about last week, this week, it's where they're going to have an edge over teams that don't have experience. And, um, I think we'll see Cincinnati's line be the edge there, open up the holes and the the passing game and make the young quarterback. I think it's going to be the young quarterback, but make him very comfortable and able to make the pass, passes and show while he was the, like the best recruit that Cincinnati ever has had there. So, um, yeah, I would take the points here. I think it'll be a close game, uh, but uh, the, take the team that has a better offensive line.
0: There you go. Now, Chip, throw it back at you. You're on the opposite side. Not an official play, but – You like Arkansas with the points. What do you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, but zero confidence. This is the game that I'm the most excited about. Like, to your point, AB, Like I think I learned so much about both these teams. I will learn important facts that will help me with Cincinnati as they go through the rest of their schedule. I mean, Cincinnati doesn't lose the amount of NFL draft picks that it did and bounce back often. I mean, that that was a almost historic haul for the Bearcats in the NFL draft. And they're not exactly a plug and play though. Luke fickle has done a good job recruiting. My lean is Arkansas and my lean is Arkansas for this specific matchup last year, sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant were two of the best cornerbacks in the entire country, all American caliber cornerbacks. And what do we know about Arkansas offensively? The offensive coordinator is Kendall Briles. He wants to spread you sideline to sideline, and he wants to find the open space. He wants to find the one-on-one matchup that you're going to be able to take advantage of. And KJ Jefferson, another year of experience within that system, I expect even more mastery there. Like, yes, they lose a ton with Traylon Burks being gone, but I still think the system and the quarterback sets up that they're going to be able to take advantage of a Cincinnati secondary that will really wish it had its two NFL-caliber cornerbacks to go up against a passing attack that challenges uh, a secondary for one-on-one opportunities. Uh, So lean is Arkansas, but I I say that again, it is, it is not at all, not an official play. And also not one that I would even recommend that you or you or any of us would go and bet because there is no edge that I see whatsoever. We've got too much to learn about both these teams.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a fun game. And, and, you know, to your point in regards to the Arkansas wide receivers, I listened to uh, uh, Josh Pate of Twenty Four 24 seven Uh, break down exactly that. And he spoke with Pittman. And, you know, Pittman had said, Look, we kind of thought the same thing, like losing Traylon Burks to the NFL, kind of a big part of our offense. But then, you know, Pittman said, I started to see that we've got some guys. We've got some guys. We've got some guys. Like he literally said, you know, told Josh that this had gone from a, a question mark positional group to this is actually going to be a strength once again for us, just with different names and different dudes. So there you go. Makes complete sense. All right. Our next game here. Utah at Florida, all right? Utah's a three-point favorite at the Swamp, a total of 51. Chip, I'm going to throw it back to you because you do have an official play on this game. I won't even give it out. What do you got, man? You let it rip. I'm going to go with the over. Um, if there's If Florida wins this game,
1: I don't think it's because the defense was able to get a lot of stops. I think that Florida defensively is not elite right now. Um, It was a group that was not good last year. Obviously, as Dan Mullen got rid of Todd Grantham even before he was fired himself before the end of the season. And, you know, you've got, you know, Dexter's awesome, and I can single out a couple of individuals that would start for other SEC teams, but the whole Florida defense doesn't have that status where you would walk onto other SEC teams and immediately be a starter. And we know that Utah has an awesome offense, and Cam Rising is a great Uh, quarterback. Tavion Thomas is a very good running back. Like this Utah team, uh, basically ever since Andy Ludwig got there has been really, really dynamic offensively. Like it's not just the hand it to Devante Booker 35 times and play good defense win 24, 21 that we used to see. I mean, this is a really, really good Utah offense. So if Florida is going to be, you know, in this game and if it's going to be as tight as the point spread suggests, it's because Anthony Richardson has, Uh, really started to hit on some big plays against this Utah defense that's normally very stingy. And will Utah have any impact? Everyone's talking about Utah going from the elevation change, Salt Lake City down to the swamp, all the humidity. Kyle Whittingham, he's got him inside throwing water on the grass and turning up the heat, yada, yada, yada. You know what it's going to lead to? It's going to lead to busted coverage. It's going to lead to big plays. It's going to lead to touchdowns. So give me the over in Utah,
0: Florida. There we go. Now, Micah, I thought to you, yeah. Same game. And look, I kind of feel the same way you do. I think my heart says bet Utah at three. But you know what? I don't know what the hell is going to happen in this game. And I think you got to feel the same way. What are your thoughts, man?
2: Yeah, but I kind of lean towards Florida. I love the coach, Billy Napier. I uh, fell in love with his style of play Louis Louisiana. And last year, I thought they did a good job, despite not quite having the talent that we expected of them in the past. The problem was turnovers, minus nine turnover margin. That was horrible, but they helped serve at home. The only games they lost were to Georgia and Alabama who played in the national championship game. So, you know, holding serve at home was important and they did that. And I like their balance, both these teams, actually, both over 200 yards each on rushing and passing offensively. That's going to be fun to watch. I I think, yeah, it'll probably be a, a high scoring game. Maybe not quite the, Rose Bowl, 48-45 that Utah lost to. But a fun game to watch and a fun game to learn. We got 14 starters back from Utah. We got 12 starters back for uh Florida. Maybe the depth of Florida isn't quite where it should be uh, right now for a team trying to get into that direction, running for an SEC title. But I, I see something there, and there's just something about n- nothing against Whittingham. It's just Napier. I, I, I see him bringing back some of the uh, – I don't know, the, the swagger, the cockiness of the Florida Gators of the past. And um, I like that.
0: There we go. There we go. And you know what? I think you said it best. Like, there's going to be a lot of games that we learn about teams. And it's not going to be, you know, you learn about them for the entire year. It is still the first game of the season, right? So, you know, don't take these as concrete of this is exactly who that team is. But at least, especially early on. And Micah, you brought up an excellent point last week as well. Offensive line. Like, teams that can dominate with the offensive line, it matters, man. It matters huge. All right, speaking of dominating here, we've got the returning national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs, playing in Atlanta, technically a home game, Mercedes-Benz Dome Stadium, whatever you call it, against Oregon. All right, Georgia, 17-point favorite. we got a total of 53. Now, Chip, I'm going to throw it to you first again because another official play that you have on the board. You're taking Georgia by the 17. Line too little.
1: Hey, Bo, Bo Nix has zero wins against Georgia's defense, and Bo Nix going to have zero wins against Georgia's defense playing for Oregon. I mean, this is <laughs> a line too little. The Bulldogs are going to be able to play like even the most um, simplified version of their game and get in and out of here with a very comfortable win. And, and the, the model that I, I look at, is the Georgia-Kentucky game last year, where Kentucky, 10-win team, excellent defense, 0-0 at the end of the first quarter, right? You're like, oh, 14-7 at the end of the uh, first half. Oh, then all of a sudden, bang, bang, couple big plays in the third quarter after you've made the adjustments, and then they just get to sit on it and cruise the rest of the way to a 17-point win. That's the same kind of game plan that's going to be able to beat Oregon right here. I just don't think that Oregon has enough skill to be able to win against this Georgia defense. And even if Oregon, which I do respect a lot defensively with their talent, especially at the linebacker position, even if they're able to cause some trouble for Stetson Bennett and the Bulldogs offense early, you cannot sustain that. You are going to get worn out. The level of competitive depth with these two teams is vastly different. And I think that when it does get into that third and fourth quarter, and Georgia's going to be rotating bodies in and out, especially on that defensive line, eventually it's going to become really, really problematic for Oregon. Um, yeah, I just I think that you just take Georgia and you you don't look back. It, it might be a little bit of a sweat down near the end, where you're rooting against Bo Nicks, throwing short little passes against soft coverage. You know, you're down 21 or something, and you're like, ee! but I'm. <laughs> I am ultimately going to trust that, especially in Atlanta, this is going to be a coronation game, and that while the little numbers beside their names say this should be competitive, the reality is it's not.
0: Yeah, you know, I've got a feeling that it – I think that this this game could look a lot like Utah-Oregon last year, right, to where you look and you saw that Utah was just physically stronger, right? Like Mm -hmm. I mean, they just went in and just had their game plan, dominated front to back, and said – You can't play our style of football. It's not going to happen. Good luck. Whether you offensively or defensively, we're just tougher than you. We're better than you. Good luck. And I I think that that could be, uh, you know, a a mirror image of what that game was. Now, Micah, coming over to you, this kind of plays into it as well. Not an official play, but you go with the under here in this game. Break it down.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch it just from the – you know, co- assistant coach and the coach, Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning going at it. Is it going to be one of those games where he knows what I like to do, so I'm going to do this, but he knows that I know that I know, so I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do it differently. Do we get into anything like that where they're trying to read each other and what they do? And the defense is, I mean, Oregon secondary has got some uh, problems. That's going to be an issue to look at here. It might be something to Bennett pick on. Uh, but I do think the defense is, are going to be good here. And this is even with Georgia only returning three starters. They're just loaded. Most of the guys that are replacing them are sophomores and juniors and seniors. Um, so they're not like, you know, freshmen or somebody coming in with no experience. They've got playing time with that defense. Um, yeah, it's uh, 16 stars. So we got five offensive linemen for Oregon. That's a big deal. One of seven teams in the nation with all five returning so that could be something that maybe help Bo Nix uh, get some protection, um, and that is a pretty big thing to have on his shoulder forever. Can't beat Georgia, so this is another positive uh, with them. Uh, a lot of th- different players, but Oregon was plus eight in the turnover margin last year. So uh, the secondary is the, the question there, but I think both the the uh, the, the front and the defenses will uh, be able to do well, and that that includes the offensive line against. Uh, Oregon's offensive line against the defense. So I, I think it's going to be a defensive game under, to me, looks the most attractive out of taking either side, um, which actually the rating was 10 points different with no home home field. So even with that much of a difference, I'm skeptical of taking Oregon in this spot.
0: Yeah. You know, and the interesting part, and, and speaking in terms of totals, that it was difficult because Georgia's defense would put up more points than the opposing offense would last year. Like, that's what made it so incredibly hard because you would look at it and you say, dude, this other team's not going to score. Like, I'm going to ride the under, ride the under, ride the under. And then you look up, Georgia's defense has two touchdowns and is getting them the ball at, like, the other team's eight. You know what I mean? It's like, it was just so frustrating. But in this one, you know, if their defense, which I don't think it's going to be exactly what it was like, it's going to be good, don't get me wrong. But if they're not putting up points as well, yeah, under uh, you sneak, can't lose
2: fifteen players to the NFL and think that uh, You're gonna it, be it's going to be the same. same. Yeah,
0: yeah, one hundred percent. I agree with you there, man. Um, all right, last big game, and then we're going to put up the rundown of all of our best bets, plus including its big Tom Fernellies as well. So, last one here: Notre Dame at Ohio State. Ohio State's a seventeen point favorite it's in Columbus. A total of fifty nine. We don't have any official plays here. On this game, but you both kind of lean the same way here. All right, Mike, I'll throw it right back at you. Kind of like Notre Dame with the points.
2: Well, I do. And they got the all five offensive linemen returning as well. So <laughs> that's the start there. And I think the young quarterback is going to um, you know, I haven't seen him throw much. I've seen him run a lot, it seems like, but I haven't really seen him uh throw much. So that'll be something there. But I think he'll he'll be able to get some holes and run himself and the running backs so, will uh, get some, and you know the Ohio State defense. I mentioned that before the Utah game. I mean, allowed forty-five points. The defense was not very good for Ohio State, and and, and everything that I read from Eleven Warriors and, and the Columbus newspaper, there, there's a, this theme where everybody's trying to talk up that the. The Buckeyes defense, oh, my God, the Buckeyes defense is so much faster and physical this year. And this is just from practice. The offensive line coach is saying, wow, those guys are really good this year. They're really good, and then they're fast. And I'm like, are they just trying to pad themselves and and pat themselves on the back and give them a boost of confidence coming in? I think it is. I mean, maybe they'll be better, but I that type of turnaround um, in one year, it seems, um, I don't know, six defensive players are back there. So you still have that element there. Um, So I'm skeptical of Ohio's. The offense is going to score. I just don't know. Uh, I don't know how the defense is going to fare. And that's a big question for me here. And with that, and with that offensive line, I think I'll be able to score uh, some points and um, keep in the game. And, And, you know, this is a big game also for Marcus Freeman, right? He got thrown in to a bowl game, his first game, had a 21 point lead against Oklahoma State and lost. He's got a stew on that all season long and know he's got to play Ohio State in the first game. So they've been prepping it up and they've been talking about the point spread. I don't remember a team so openly talking about the point spread as Notre Dame has in this game. The disrespect, they're not even talking about the opening line. They're like, we're 17 and a half points. They're 17 and a half points. But the quarterback's talking about it. The coach is talking about it. Um And that's been a theme. I mean, it's kind of been taboo, right? I mean, this whole new era of sports betting across the country and legalization and paying players, this is a whole new era that I'm just not used to. Um, I don't dislike it, but I I just think it's unique that players are openly talking about point spreads. And I go back to the day with Tom Osborne when uh, he refused to talk about it. He refused to say it, but yet they would kick a field goal when they were up 40 to cover 42. You know, stuff like that for the... For the alumni. Um, this is a new era for us. So, uh, yeah, Notre Dame, they've been thinking about it. Um, they're a good team. Only two losses last season. Uh, bring a lot of those guys back. So I think I'm going to see a good game out of Notre Dame here.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And it's fascinating. I mean, you know, sports betting is legal in the state of Indiana. And, and I'm not saying anything on the players. I'm just saying, you know, if you're one of those you know, players, you like sports just like we do. You're driving around the truck, going to get groceries. You know, taking the you know girlfriend out of, on a date, whatever. You turn on sports radio. That's all that they're talking about. All yep. off season is Notre Dame, seventeen point dog, right? Like it's fascinating yep. that that conversation is out there and that the players are even addressing it. Yes. right I mean that is way, way different than what we've all seen. And again, I'm like you. Not saying I dislike it. Just saying it's completely different than what we've ever known.
2: College Remember, football today's college football is bonkers I don't know what else to call it it's it's absolutely crazy uh like I was shocked that the guy got suspended for not doing homework I mean really are we doing that um so yeah this whole NCAA do they matter do they not matter they still got rules whatever players are getting paid they don't like it schools are like whatever we want to win we want to be kind of we're moving around we're going I mean the Pac-12 started with UCLA and USC and they're belling I mean what is going on here
0: I know it's the dude. It's the wild West. And like, we, it, we're not close to like resolution on a lot of things either. Like it's going to be craziness in banana land here for a little bit. Speaking of banana land, there's no banana land here with chip Patterson, uh, no official play as well, but you agree with Micah in regards to you'd lean towards Notre Dame with the points.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, Notre Dame's not talking about 17 in terms of like what percentage of the handle a certain team is getting or like how the point spread is moved. They're not like setting off their alarm systems or have, or tracking any system. They just want the disrespect card. I mean, it is in fact talking about this point spread the way Notre Dame has is the most old school thing that there is in terms of what do I mean, what do we call it? Locker room material. Like what, you know, you put it up on the board. That's basically what Marcus Freeman has done. And he, he even bulletin board material. And he even said that that's what he was doing. That's the message that he's sending home. Marcus Freeman played for Ohio state. Like this dude is walking in to a very familiar environment with a lot of motivation. Like you said, a B to get a better result than what happened against Oklahoma state in that bowl game. Also Ohio state. I mean, this is why I'm, it's not an official play. Cause I'm just giving you all vibes here and that oh, lasagna is going to be ready soon. Um, <laughs> This Ohio State program, not this Ohio State team, but this Ohio State program lost to Virginia Tech at home, lost to Oklahoma at home. They are not beyond playing at home in a non-conference game early in the season and getting a little tight. Ohio <laughs> State's probably going to win, you know, but yeah. 17 points when you've got a history of getting a little tight, give me the Irish. Yeah, me...
0: I'm with it. Go ahead, yeah.
2: just add one more thing here so my numbers i had 12 and a half for this game that's given ohio state a six point home edge full advantage there but the tack on the add-on you got uh, sharp money that has bet that side they've gone that way and move the number up uh to the point where it got to 17 and a half from 14 and a half and that's one of those things you have like the books that add on the uh, popularity tax the buckeyes very popular team and so that you get the extra boost on that so that has happened to the Buckeyes a lot, where they're giving three to four points more shade because they're a popular bet. And the fact is, they win all these games, they don't lose a lot, but they're 10-10-1 against the spread the last two years. So something to think about. They're a little overvalued, as always. If you can find some gold and nuggets with the Notre Dame Irish, I say uh, take a chance.
0: Yeah, uh, you know what? I- I'll say this. I, uh, I I bet a lot of Ohio State early last season, and uh, they won games In cover, like it it was rough, man. Like it, it took a little time to get that offense, which was a juggernaut, but it took a little bit to get there. So I completely understand and agree with what you guys are saying. All right, everybody, grab your paper, grab your pencil. Let's take a look at the recap here for week one. And it does look glorious. Let me get this banner out of the way, too. We don't need that anymore. Michael Roberts is on Purdue plus three and a half, Illinois plus three, and Pitt minus seven and a half. Tom Fernelli is on Penn State minus three and a half Western Michigan, Michigan state over 54 and a half Illinois plus three and Florida plus three. Chip Patterson is on North Carolina, Appalachian state over 56 West Virginia and Pitt under 51 Utah, Florida over 51 Georgia minus 17 South Florida plus 12 and coastal Carolina minus two. So as we end the show this week, first off, thank you gentlemen. Appreciate your time as always. And I want to give you guys a second to uh, plug any work or anything that you have going on this week. Mike, I'll throw it to you first. My man, you work on legitimately, I think, every sport that we have here at Sportsline. You've been crushing NASCAR, been crushing baseball and everything else. What can everybody pay attention to and see coming from you this week?
2: Yeah, my NASCAR article just fell um, today. I think it was uh, posted on Sportsline. And check it out because there's a huge value at the top. It's almost like the NASCAR oddsmakers are – it, they're, they got too much stuff going on with football and baseball and everything and WNBA playoffs. They don't have time for NASCAR. So I think they take like last year's sheet and then they just post repost it this year because none of it makes sense. But I'm OK with it because the guy I like should be favored in this race and he's 14 to one. So check that out.
0: There we go. All right. Chip Patterson, what do you got, buddy? I mean, the cover three podcast
1: is where you want to be tomorrow. We will do our full locks for week one. And then on Saturday night, our very first instant reaction show of the season when Ohio state, Notre Dame is final. We'll be live on youtube.com slash cover three. So subscribe, like smash the bell for notifications so that you'll know when we're going live to talk about everything that happened on Thursday,
0: Friday, and Saturday. I love it, man. And I love those reaction shows too. Those are fantastic. Everybody make sure to check those out. Indeed. All right. It's all the damage we could do for today and for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will be live next week, Wednesday, same time, 3 p.m. Eastern, to break down how our picks from week one went and look ahead to week two. But until then, everybody, best of luck. Let's cash these tickets, and we'll see you next week. Thanks.